0: Open your ears and cracks and beers. You are listening to episode 10 of Retro Hangover.
1: Internet. We are coming to you over the sweet, sweet kilobits and megabits streaming to you over the service of your choice. I am creative co-host Chris Copleen, and I am joined today by the totally tapping mana trying to make mag- magic major, the slam-dancing, seriously scary, suppository, satisfied Shane Kosky. How are you doing today, buddy?
0: <laughs> the fuck is that last part? <laughs> you need to explain that to me right now. I feel violated and you're not even sitting next to me.
1: Well, you shouldn't feel violated. I just, you know, I told everyone about your uh, suppository addiction.
0: Listen, Chris, this was something that I shared with you in confidence. And here you are. <laughs> it's okay. It's, on the internet. It's quick release, right? I, I mean, I mean, don't don't tell the ladies that, okay? I have a reputation to keep up. And if you're not first, you're last. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh you know i was really enjoying that up until that last part and you <laughs> totally lost me i'm uh, i'm so not sorry uh, i know you're not you're an asshole all
1: right so today is fuck what is today uh, august 2nd yeah we're in august now man and this is our 10th episode of retro hangover uh Woo! this gets crazy uh that it's it's already 10 episodes uh, we're still making this happen is is awesome thank you all of those who are listening to us so today um we thought we were gonna make our main topic uh, go back to kind of how this podcast started and just kind of kick the kick the discussion around just kind of bs about video games in general for for As long as we see fit and are having fun doing it, uh, this was why we kind of got into the podcast, uh, which I think is going to I think I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be really fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, in honor of our 10th episode, we we want to we want to bring it back to our roots, really. You know, it's it's like it's like that return to form album from that band that you really liked. And then they got kind of weird and experimental for a while. That's kind of what we're doing. <laughs> so, except no one really knows what our roots are, except Sure, us. I mean, sure they do, man. <laughs> I mean, we went over that before. I mean, so okay, look at it this way. Actually, that's an interesting segue. Now that you bring that up already, so I want to quickly just give a uh, a little shout out to some of our listeners that I think we now have in the Miami area of Florida. How you guys doing? Thanks for listening. I appreciate the uh, the support. It was good talking to a you. Bonito a Miami. Man, you, you are so multicultural, and uh, <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so for s- perhaps some newer listeners that don't know exactly how or why this thing started, we'll just say that Chris and I, you know, uh, spent a lot of time uh, having these sorts of just off the off the cuff discussions about you know video games and the the golden years, as it were. In uh, you know, several of our local drinking establishments and
1: fine establishments, oh yes,
0: yes, the finest of watering holes, and uh, we figured we should bring this to a wider audience other than just the fellow patrons of, of the bar who were, in some cases oddly interested in our discussions. but it's
1: almost like they were kind of expecting less of a conversation. That 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 we were having, they like thought we were talking about video games, and they turned to us and like, wow, that's some really deep shit you guys are talking about. We had no idea that uh, you could have these kind of discussions about this.
0: Well, yeah, and I think you know, to to an outside observer, um, you know, I I think that the assumption is that video games are still, a, you know, somewhere in the same category as children's toys. So clearly, there's not a lot to talk about there, but they would be wrong and we've we have enlightened at least a few <laughs> bar patrons up to this point so uh so yeah that's that's a little bit of the history and we figured we'd bring it back for this episode and just uh, kind of bullshit about some stuff for a little while also uh, thanks to all those people who uh follow
1: us on twitter and are not bots uh, we do appreciate you. We mean we appreciate the bots too because they do count as followers. So thank you, bots. And there's there's been a couple people that sent us messages and uh, I, I responded and and thank you for the communication back. Knowing that you're you're actually considering us to be a real entity, that's that's fantastic. I, and I love all our listeners. Don't feel compelled that you have to do that stuff. We do appreciate it, though when you follow us on social media. But um, before we go any further, I went first next week. So Shane, you got to talk about. Your, your gaming for the week
0: yeah sure um, <clears throat> it's been mostly mobile and handheld stuff because I have been on the road for the past five days or so um, that's good yeah yeah uh, I took a trip down to the keys uh, and as I mentioned we, we stopped in Miami along the way um, at a an Airbnb location um, it was run by Julie she was a very nice woman and uh we we met and talked with her son who is the one that uh followed us on on his uh pod catcher of choice and i will note by the way that we are actually the first podcast he has ever subscribed to so i feel i feel special that's a badge of honor right there it it is it is uh so we stopped in miami for a while and then made it down to the keys uh had a good time there went down to key west and saw the uh Sunset celebration that they do uh, pretty much every night, which was cool. Um, there's a lot of street performers and, and stuff out there. So it was a very, very chill atmosphere, um, which was fun. Did some did some snorkeling, which I've actually never done before. So that was cool. I uh, got to see the reef and um, some tropical fish. Uh, I will say that that experience probably would have been a little bit better had my scuba gear actually fit my face that that's kind of important. Yeah, about 80% of the time I was just sort of combating inhaling s- salt water. <laughs> um but apart from that it was cool. But now was was when is
1: Fantasy Fest? I said you went down in the Keys. I know Fantasy Fest is sometime around this time of year. Was it going
0: on when you were there? Uh it was not. Um I'm a- oh. I'm actually not sure when the timing on that is, but it was it wasn't going on while we were there, unfortunately. But uh, as far as actual gaming, like I said, because of that, it's been mostly mobile. So I've been trying to keep up on uh, my, my Fallout Shelter and my uh, Record Keeper. Um, they actually started that new event, and I didn't even realize it. So I'm, I'm playing catch-up on that one at the moment. Oh, I already got their both their memory crystals. I already taken care of that. Well, aren't we just too cool for school?
1: Oh, normally, you know me. I've talked to you. I, I normally don't even get the second memory crystal, because it's like... <laughs> hard as shit to get and this time as i dedicated myself i had to get that memory crystal it's the figaro trims from final twin trims it's figaro twins from final fantasy 6 uh i had to it's just uh those those characters are so awesome and they're completely broken in the actual game if you know how to use them too
0: oh i mean
1: i I wonder not not in record (laughs) not in record keeper in final fantasy 6
0: yeah i was gonna say well i mean if they're broken in record keeper then that'd be cool too but Oh, yeah. Actually, now that I'm looking at this, I'm a bit of a liar because I actually have not started that event. I looked at it, but I didn't start it. And actually, now I remember why, because it was on Saturday and I wanted to take advantage of the, the Gill event for Saturdays because I'm actually running low for the first time in a while. Uh, but anyway, besides that, oh. um, I brought my 3DS along, of course, which unfortunately, I only got like two uh, street passes, I think, through that entire trip, which was very disappointing. But that seems like an area you probably get quite a few. Uh, you know, I would have thought so, but uh, alas, I only got the two. But I've been playing Steam World Dig. Have you like played that or seen that at all? I have it on Steam, but I have not played it yet. It's um, it's a lot of fun. It's it's definitely a good title for mobile. I will say that. Um, just the way that it's structured and stuff. So, I mean. Basically, the the short description is like you are a sort of steampunky kind of robot in a weirdly kind of post apocalyptic like Wild West town, and the whole point of it is you dig for like gems and stuff, and you go deeper and deeper, and you upgrade like your pickaxe, and you get other uh, gear to help you. Like you'll like you'll get a drill to. Uh, break through rocks and and stuff like that. And you come back up to the surface and bring the gems and everything that you find along the way to fund upgrading your gear to get farther down. And there's sort of like a little bit of a plot behind it too, where the farther down you get, you start to discover things. I won't spoil anything necessarily, but I think I actually want to say that I got that on like, was that in the, in the Nindy bundle? It might've been.
1: It, it was a, it, it's wasn't. it been in quite a few bundles. I'm not sure it was part of the Nindy bundle. That may have been a reason I didn't get the Nindy bundle, because the only game I was really interested in was uh, Guacamelee. Yeah. And uh, SteamWorld Dig might have been part of it, but I was like, I already have it for Steam. So that might I, I can't remember if it was or not.
0: I think it might have been. I think that's how I got it. But uh, definitely worthwhile. So if you have a 3DS and you haven't checked that out yet, I would i would give it a look, because it's, it's a lot of fun, especially if you like that kind of gameplay. If, if you're, you know, if you like that sort of like, I almost want to say Minecrafty, but there's really not any building. It's more of just the excavating portion of it. So maybe a little bit more like Terraria, just in that it's 2D. Probably not as much world building, though. It's more about exploring. Yeah, no, no, like really, no real building to speak of. It's, yeah, it's more about just the exploring the, the underground caverns and stuff like that. Okay. Um... I think the only other new thing is I I actually installed Crossy Road on my phone. Um, what the hell is that? Oh, you haven't heard of Crossy Road? Well... No, I've not heard of Crossy Road. It's, it's basically just Frogger, but oh. um, sort of like in a 3D voxel kind of aesthetic, I guess. And, you know, they included extra stuff like you can unlock other characters to play as. There's like a ton of them. And um, you collect coins and stuff along the way and you basically just tap your screen to hop like one row at a time and you you know dodge traffic and trains and logs and assorted stuff so it's pretty simple but uh it's a nice little time killer if you have like only a few minutes to do something oh it's free too yeah it is yeah i'm gonna install that now (laughs)
1: why not it's frogger
0: yeah pretty much but uh, honestly, yeah, that's that's pretty much the extent of my, my gameplay this week. Just been a lot of mobile stuff on the go. What about you, Chris? What have you been up to? Uh,
1: I, I, Like you, Final Fantasy Record Keeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely, I, I've been really active in that, trying to get as far as I can. I've gotten all the way up to where I've gotten Kamari in Final Fantasy X mm-hmm. on the main dungeons. And then on the actual events, I, I've gotten both the memory crystals for... Uh, the the new event for the new Final Fantasy six characters, mm-hmm. which is awesome because uh, that's my second favorite Final Fantasy, and I was happy to get that relic draw where I got Edgar's primary weapon, uh, where uh, he can do Bio Blaster for his Soul Break. So that that's really cool. I made him my new Roaming Warrior. Um, in addition to that, it's just pretty much what I've been playing is Final Fantasy five and I put a lot of time to that and I'm, I'm actually, I'm getting close to the end mm-hmm. uh, I think I, I just have like one more dungeon to do before I go to the final dungeon, and I was really excited because I was like, this is the furthest I've ever made to this game, I've never made it this far before, and I, so truth be told I haven't, but I didn't even think I made it to world 3 because that game has like three worlds, you start out in, in you know the world that you start out in and then you go to another world and then at the end of that world of course uh, something happens, and you're a completely different world, which has a lot of the same places. Uh, well, fuck it. It's like a 26, 24-year-old game at this point. The, the worlds combine in World 3, and it becomes one big world, and you can just explore everything. It's like, wow, I've never made it to World 3. This is crazy. Um, look at the save file on the same, look at the first save file on the first file that I had in there when I started playing the game a while back and I realized I had made it that far. So I got all excited for nothing. <laughs> but uh it's it's really nice playing that game because it's it's a hard game mm-hmm. but you can exploit the shit out of it. Excellent. And it's not like it's not like those games that is easily exploitable. You need to know what you're doing in order to exploit it you reap the rewards of hard work and effort and knowing what the fuck you're supposed to be doing, as opposed to just finding some some thing that they just missed out on and um, you have to make up for later, which is one of the reasons I like it, because if you don't know what you're doing, it's a tough fucking game. But if you do know what you're doing, it's really easy, but it,
0: it balanced out, and... I, mean, I, I feel like know what you I'm could doing, say but that about so it's still, any Final yeah. Fantasy game, though. Like it's hard as shit if you have no idea what you're doing. Like some of that stuff is so obscure. Like when I was playing through FF four, I had to look at a guide in a lot of cases because I was just like, I would have never figured that out. Well, FF four, like you can play FF, you
1: can play uh, FF four, and you know all you got to do is level up, and your guys are going to get more powerful. You know that, sure. And uh, Final Fantasy seven, all you got to do is grind your materia and your guys are going to get more powerful, for the most part. Uh-huh. Same with Final Fantasy VI and a lot of the other Final Fantasies. Where Final Fantasy V is different, leveling up isn't as important as exploiting the abilities you learn through the job system. Hmm. So you could, you could level up every single job on the planet, and that's fine, but you have to know which abilities match well with other abilities, and what's the best way of attacking a boss. Uh, and stuff like that. It's much like Final Fantasy Tactics, but there's there's even more thought put into it. And I can understand why a lot of people really, really like that game for that reason, because the plot's nothing special. I mean, the character interaction is great, but the plot's kind of blah. It's just the gameplay is, is actually really, really enjoyable. So I have been enjoying that. Uh, other than that, I did make some purchases I haven't played yet. Surprise. <laughs> I got... I was waiting and waiting and waiting. I always knew I was going to get the game. I was just waiting until it got to low enough of a price. And I ended up getting Final Fantasy Thirteen Three Lightning Returns because it was on clearance for $10. And it came with the Cloud DLC where you can dress her up as Cloud. Yippee. Uh, but it's... Hey, it's I guess part of the game. I'll find out one of these days. Yeah, it was only 10 bucks, So I, I said, you know, why not? I've been wanting this game. $10. And uh, the bundle I told you about, Humble Jumbo Bundle 4. Yeah. Which came with the just insane amount of games. I couldn't... Like, I started adding up how much it was total. I didn't come to a final on it, but I know, like, uh, that that strategy game, that space strategy game, is like 30 bucks. Mm -hmm. And we got the whole thing for like five and a half roughly <clears throat> uh
0: yeah five dollars and 32 cents to be exact
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i just i rounded up and went to 550 well i'm sure so whatever yeah 18 cents huge difference <laughs> uh, so I, I got it mostly because i had two games i've been looking at for a while which was the stanley parable which i know you've played and and uh freedom planet which is the other one I, I was looking at. But uh, I saw it came with some other games like Mercenary Kings, which looks really interesting. Uh, Outland, which I, I've seen played before and looks interesting. And even though Van that Van Helsing 2, that has been necessarily received very well, that looks like a, a fun little game. And it's absolutely ginormous, so I'm going to have to put some time into it for the amount of memory it takes on my computer.
0: Yeah, but, I, I didn't... I haven't I played that I one. I played the first Van Helsing and for what it was, it was, it was, it was fun. Like, it's a competent arpg so if you if you like diablo 2 or you know diablo 3 or like titan quest or anything like that then if you can get it for cheap like in a bundle or something then um yeah it's worth checking out so quickly one thing that i was just thinking of uh you were talking about ff5 is that so that's the first game where the job system is introduced is that right no 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 the first one was final fantasy 3 really in japan so the final fantasy 3 japan so yeah. the so they skipped the job system entirely for 4 or is it just different numbering because of japan and like north america well
1: it is it, somewhat complicated i guess depending on how you view it um cuz in final fantasy 1 of course you you have your i think it's six jobs you can select from to form your party of 4 uh-huh. which was fighter red mage white mage black mage black belt and thief mm-hmm. and you could pick, uh, you could form a party of four based off what you want there. So technically you had a job system but you were, you could only pick those four jobs and what you picked there you got uh, for the rest of the game. You had Final Fantasy 2, which I don't know if, have you played any of the saga games? Uh, I have not, no. Okay, well it was more like, um I guess the best way you could put it is Final Fantasy 2 took a lot of inspiration from like uh, Western RPGs. I don't know if they were doing it at the time, but nowadays it looks like they were. And I haven't played a lot of Western RPGs from that era, like your Ultimas or your Might and Magic. No, Might and Magic didn't so much. It may have been Wizardry or Ultima games I didn't play from that era. But all your spells were... Like, if you wanted your spells to be more powerful, you'd use the spells more often. So if you wanted a more powerful fire spell, or you wanted a more powerful mage... You would cast spells more often. If you wanted fire to be more powerful, you cast fire more often.
0: Okay, so it's <clears throat> it's like the Morrowind system, basically.
1: Right, except it's broken to a point where uh, in order for your characters to gain more HP and actually get stronger, you have to start hitting yourself. I'm sorry, what? So, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, in order to gain HP, you have to lose HP. Okay. So sometimes the only way to lose hit points is if you attack yourself.
0: Oh, okay, so, alright, I see what you're saying. So you speed up that process by just having your party members attack each other. Exactly, just so, or else, like, you're gonna get to a point where you don't have enough
1: hit points to make it through a battle, legitimately, and you're going to die. Well, oh, great, that's good. And that, well, that's not so much a job system, but, like, you could customize your characters at that mm-hmm. point. And then you had Final Fantasy III, which you could swap jobs, like, in Final Fantasy V... It just didn't really, It, I mean, there was, it mattered to a certain degree, It's. it just didn't really matter, that you could swap your jobs whenever you felt like them. You could, Whenever you felt like it, but at the same time, you can never carry over anything from the job you were playing as. So, let's say you're spending, like, the whole entire game with one of your characters as a white mage. If you swapped your character from a white mage to, like, say, a fighter, mm. the fighter doesn't get any of the benefits of being a white mage. Oh, that kind of sucks. Yeah, and but I mean, it's fun because you can manipulate all your characters to do whatever with it, whatever class they're in. In that essence, and then Final Fantasy IV, they didn't have a class system, but every single character, every single character has a class. Like Rosa's a white mage, uh, Cecil's a paladin, right. uh, Edge is a ninja, and Kane's a dragoon. Mm. So they all have their character classes. You just can't swap them because they wanted to be more plot driven. And it's something that it, it maintained for the Final Fantasy's run through 6 mostly is that you'd have one that would be more plot-driven. You'd have one that'd be more, um, like, gameplay-driven, like Final Fantasy 1, 3, and 5, and then the, the next one would be more plot-driven, like in 2, 4, and 6, were very, very driven off their narrative <clears throat> uh, and, and less so off their gameplay, whereas 1, 3, and 5 more heavily relied on their da- gameplay rather than their narrative.
0: All right. Oh, well, that makes sense. That also reminds me that at some point I I want to play the original, uh, tactics because I've only played the uh, the mobile ones. Well, handheld. I shouldn't say mobile. Which, which handheld ones? The Advance, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. Yeah, Advance. And then I played uh, a two like Grimoire of the Rift, which I think was DS. Yeah, DS. So you didn't you didn't play War of the Lions?
1: Uh, no, I did not you have a psp i do not because i have i have two versions of that game because i love that game that game's awesome i have i have it for the playstation i have it for the psp and i don't play my psp so whenever you're feel like getting around to you know playing final fantasy for the playstation <laughs> i can lend you i can lend you uh, my my psp uh with with war of the lions
0: Listen, man, you already know the situation with the PlayStation, alright? I know, which is why I give you shit over it every uh, on every yeah, episode. Yeah, every every <laughs> week. You are nothing if not consistent.
1: Hey, here, here's the thing, though. If I lend you my PSP with uh, Final Fantasy Tactics, you can actually save it. That, you know, that is a plus. I might actually play it then. And, I don't know, you know, I, you could always download... Well, you don't have a PS3. Nope. The, the, hard th- the thing is, is I could technically download Final Fantasy VII onto a memory card for the PSP I just don't think I have one big enough memory card and they're hard to find of mm-hmm. course uh, Isn't uh, I don't really want to go through the, the, the hassle of buying another memory card but you can take Final Fantasy 7 and put it on a memory card for the PSP and then play the PS1 game on your PSP through the PSN download this all sounds very complicated it's, it's actually a giant pain in the ass <laughs> great I did it for uh, Persona 2 Innocent Sin, whatever the first one is because I got Persona 2, this, the there's a Part 1 and a Part 2. Have you played... And I don't think you've played any of the Persona games. I either. have not. Are you, but you're at least familiar with them, right? Uh, I, I have a passing familiarity with them, yes. Okay. Now, like, Persona 3 and Persona 4 are completely different games than, like, Persona 1 and 2. Mm. Persona 2 is actually split into two parts. And it was like, an isometric RPG. Uh, there's a Part 1 and a Part 2 to it. Well, Part 1 came out in the United States and uh, Part 2 never did, but when they re-released it on the PSP, I think Part 2 came out in the PSP, but Part 1 never did in the States. Um, that's weird. It is. (laughs) As soon as they released it on the PlayStation Network, uh, I downloaded Persona 2 Part 1 on that because I had bought Persona 2 Part 2 for the PSP for, like, dirt cheap, and I just wanted
0: to make sure I had the entire series. I mean, did that even... Did Part Two even make sense playing it without playing Part One? No. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fantastic. I'm
1: sure, I'm sure you could to a degree because um, there, there's some games that they're kind of like that, like the Shadow Heart series, um, which is a fantastic game. I could lend you that too because uh, I think a lot of people from SquareSoft did made that game
0: or helped is make a, that game. Is this a PS1 game? No it's a ps2 game oh well i could i could actually play that one yeah and and it's um shadow
1: hearts 2 base is based off a lot of uh the events that happened in shadow hearts 1 Mm. but like no one played shadow hearts 1 Mm. and it's and it's an okay game but shadow hearts 2 is so much better it has a it has a gay vampire in it too which is hilarious it's like a gay it's like a super buff gay vampire
0: who's Uh, a a wrestler
1: i mean sure why not why not it's it's actually um it's really it's really interesting it'd probably be classified as insensitive nowadays but it, uh, i thought it was hilarious <laughs> but yeah i could swap those games out because i think that the interested parties would find shadow hearts too interesting especially if you're playing on original hardware i just mm-hmm. know you have that thing hooked up to uh, lcd right you have it hooked up to an HDTV.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, ideally, I'd like to hook up older consoles to, like, a, you know, a tube TV or something, but... Yeah, an old CRT. Yeah.
1: Well, that's that's the thing with Shadow Hearts too. is it is not lag-friendly. It, it relies on precise button presses, because the way it works is it goes by a battle system called the Circle of Fate, and what happens is that you got this wheel that, that goes around, and you're supposed to press X when, like, this ticker goes in a certain area to maximize your damage. And if you have any lag, you're going to miss all the fucking time, and the game's going to be a pain in the ass.
0: Right, so what you're saying is I need to find a CRT before I play that. You know I got two in my house that I'm not using. Well, fucking A, man. (laughs) I mean, okay, is one of them... Because, okay, (laughs) here's my ideal, and I, I don't know if I told you this before, but for... Like, my older consoles, what I'd really like to do is uh, set up a, uh, I don't know, a station, I guess, if you want to call it that. But A PlayStation? Oh, uh, God, just uh, shut up. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> uh, no, I want to set up, like, an area where all of my, like, retro stuff is all hooked up to a CRT, but not only a CRT, but I want to find one that has like that sweet ass like fake wood grain paneling and like the big silver like dials on it and shit. Oh, you want like the old old TV? Yeah, I want I want one of those. I, I need to find one of those somewhere, and because I I would really like that because I feel like that would really that would really fit the whole like aesthetic. Like I don't want just like one of those generic black plastic Panasonic Sanyo whatever the fuck TV is. Well, you do realize that those black Panasonic
1: Sony TVs from the 90s is what, you know, you would use Super Nintendos and PlayStations on. The ones you're thinking I mean, about was be stuff you'd use the wood grain Atari and like a NES almost on that thing.
0: I mean, listen, man, like you're, don't, I, don't I, crush, I, don't crush my dreams here. All right, okay? I right, I told you last week I crush hopes and dreams. I know you do, and I'm gonna. I'm, I'm holding out for this because, at at the very least, I know that my Nintendo, my Super Nintendo, will totally still work with those T- TVs because they run off of coax, and that's fine. Like that'll work with those old ones. Now, as far as like, and actually, I'm pretty sure even those old TVs like that, you could still find the uh, the AV cables with the three colors, like. Those comp- ah, component cables, component, yeah, yeah. The, a lot of those you'd still be able to hook up component cables to. So I don't see a problem here. And honestly, if I'm going for that retro thing, that that wood grain and everything, that is that is way cooler than just like a generic black plastic TV. Well, well the the good thing about the fact if you got one of those old TVs with the the, the
1: UHF and VHF dials, which I think is what they have, um, yeah. you could you could hook up those like your Coleco that you got that I want, um, <laughs> the, that Coleco you got there, and uh, like an old Atari, because those things don't ha- even have coax, they have those weird-ass prongs that you have to go to the back of your TV and unscrew and attach and then rescrew it back on like an antenna, like the old, old yeah. antennas, not the coax antennas, because fuck, my, my new TV that I have has a goddamn coax, I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't, think,
0: I don't think anybody really uses that other than what
1: cable, I guess. I mean, that's about it. Um, so like, every every TV I have in my house has a coax hookup you can utilize, and like the the TV I use for my retro uh, setup, because I have a CRT TV, and that's where all my retro games are hooked up to, is like this uh Toshiba semi flat panel CRT that utilize mm-hmm. and has a, a compo- you're thinking of composite uh component in. Composite's the one with the three, uh, red, yellow, white, but it has a it has a component in. It has yeah. S, it has a, it has S video, and everything. I think the only thing it doesn't have is that co is that uh, antenna hookup that with the prongs to go in. I wouldn't know because I haven't even looked. But it, it's nice. The only thing that sucks about the, the the flat panels for CRTs, at least I've noticed this on my master system, is that light gun games do not get picked up on the extreme sides of. The uh, screen. So I'm trying to play hmm. like my Master System game. Something all the way to the left of the screen, and I'm trying to shoot it. I'm not gonna hit it for. I have no freaking reason
0: why. Huh? That's weird. I don't know. That's that's that is my ideal. If I could find a TV like that, and I'm not talking about like the those huge ones that basically functioned as like a fucking table in your living room. I don't mean that necessarily. I just mean like one of the smaller ones that still had like that fake wood graining on it and everything. Like, if I could find one of those, that'd be perfect.
1: I would love to find one of those old GX TVs. I don't even know what that is. They have one at VGR. I, I really want one. I, the only thing is that they cost way too fucking much. Are uh, there a TV made by Samsung in the mid '90s? Uh-huh. I think right after uh, all the the systems. I can't. I don't know what gen it was. I think it was sixth gen, or uh, Nintendo sixty four, PlayStation, and Saturn. Whatever, Jen, the 32-bit era. It was released during that time because they made a big deal about about the fact that it had three composite in, that you could have three consoles hooked up at once. And that's before Component was a really big deal. And it had a subwoofer in the back. It, It looked different than any other TV. It had a giant subwoofer on the back and on top of the TV. And then it had two drawers on the front of the TV that closed, and it had, like, this GX logo. And then you could open it up and it had uh speakers on each side it's only a 14 inch tv but like i'd have a, a, a speaker cabinet that you can open up on the front of the tv um so it was prime for sound it was prime for picture it was made for video games and it was really fucking cool unfortunately people want like
0: 200 to 300 for the things right now yeah that sounds appropriately insane It is that kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, that kind of goes along with that discussion that we had before about retro games and how the market is fucking stupid right now. It's It's ridiculously stupid, especially because I could you can go to any
1: flea market or thrift shop, Salvation Army, Goodwill, especially Salvation Army, and get yourself like a fifty-inch CRT TV for like ten bucks, and it'll have a component in, composite in, and everything. And it's going to look ten times better than that GX TV, which is is priced because it's
0: a fucking novelty, and that's about it. Yeah. So, uh, so hey, there we go. This this is a good opportunity. If uh, <clears throat> any of you listening out there want to be super awesome and you you love us uh, that much, if you ever come across a a really sweet retro like wood grain TV with uh, coax and antenna hookups and maybe some. Uh, composite or component you know cables whatever all that good shit let us know or be awesome and like send it our way that'd be cool i'll even i'll 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 put a a mailing address out there i don't care i'm gonna tell you right now you're not gonna find one of
1: those old tvs with the vhf uhf dial that has composite input (laughs) it's i'm sorry dude you're gonna have coax (sighs) son of a bitch i'm crushing your hopes and dreams i know but like those old ones you're not going to find them with that.
0: Well, okay, fine. Whatever. You know what? This is good anyway because I feel like this, the, we're coming up with some really good ideas for things that we ought to do. So last week we, we came to the conclusion, and by we I mean mostly me, that uh, we— Of course. what Yeah, we, you. <laughs> that, hey, man, it was, okay? That I don't even know we, where we, you're going with this yet,
1: so just keep talking and I'll let you bury yourself. Continue. Uh, it's a,
0: that's the mark of a true friend. You know it. Uh, No, man, I was saying that we came to the conclusion that that we ought to open up an esports bar because no one is doing that around here. And the second thing now that I've 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 decided is that we should we are we have listen, we have identified a hole in the market, which is retro themed televisions, CRTs that also have modern functionality totally do it we should just make we should get into the manufacturing business and make some like sweet looking wood grain televisions that not only have all of the like antenna and coax hookups but all of the modern cable hookups with like hdmi and component and composite cable and then that way you get the best of everything and then we can sell them for like three hundred dollars because They're, like, a niche item that everybody in, like, the video game retro scene would totally want, and we can totally exploit that and be the absolute thing that we probably hate the most. For those of you who are
1: listening to this podcast, I apologize for making you stupider over the comments that have transpired over the past
0: minute. (laughs) (laughs) These are all solid ideas, man. Sure. Listen, you got to be an entrepreneur, not a wantrepreneur, and that's hey, that's that is where I am stepping in. I, I'm all about making some
1: wood grain, uh, flat flat panel LCD LED TVs. I think that's cool as hell, and I uh, try to make them as lag proof as possible for the old TVs, and and maybe have like some some cool ass dials underneath that you could pretend that you're playing around with or whatever the case may be. But come on, man, no one's gonna buy a CRT TV.
0: You say that. But then you just got through saying that people would probably buy those GX TVs for like two hundred dollars. Because they're GX TVs. So what, man? The the shit that I just described would totally be awesome and it would be like all of those things and you would also have the really cool like retro styling of it for like the mirrored price of, you know, two or three hundred bucks. I this sounds like a deal to me, that's all I'm saying yeah um
1: no i don't agree with you but you know what um (laughs) we
0: i'll help you chase that dream listen when i when i'm making bank when i'm making bank off of these retro tvs i will say i told you so hey
1: and i'll encourage you to take that loan out i'll even go to the bank with you and i'll say this is a complete legit idea i'm with you buddy i'm i'm there all right. I mean, we've been kicking around some some good discussion here for a while. Uh, we've been going on for quite a bit. I think this is like the longest intro we've ever had, uh, which is what we were aiming for to combine it with uh, the BS episode. Yeah, we could keep on going on for this forever. I mean, um, I remember when we were in the bars? We would what?
0: We would get there at, what seven, and we would close it down <laughs> like one. Yeah, and actually, <laughs> there were there were at least a few occasions where we went to uh, a couple of places where. We were there for so long that even the, the people running the place, like when we left at closing time, they were just like, um, so you've been here since like six, uh, are you yeah. going to make it home? I was like, come on,
1: you know how much you <laughs> gave us to drink? And they're like, yeah, that's why we're asking you this. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Uh, we, we know.
1: Drunk driving, drunk driving is bad for you.
0: <laughs> actually, you remember, I say, you remember we, we actually had somebody cut us off once.
1: Yeah, no, they were talking about cutting us off. They wanted to cut us off, and I, and I was like, uh, we've only had two beers, because that was true. We only had two beers. We had been there for, for three hours, so just the beers we had were like 10%
0: ABV. Are you sure it was that one? Because I, I have a feeling that was the one where we had to have a debate with the bartender, and he gave us like one more as long as it was like a weaker beer, and that was it. I think that was the same night.
1: I think it started with that, yeah. and then they they talked to us later. I, I Man, there's a lot of good occasions, good times. <laughs> but anyway, um, as we talk, as we reminisce about good times, we'll, we we got to move forward onto what's going on during current times in the news, and we do that in a segment that we call "What's on Tap."
0: All right, so uh, getting into the, the news stories for the week. We are starting off with uh, some information about the newest iteration of the Dragon Quest series, which, if you have listened to our podcast in the past, you probably already know that I have, unfortunately, very little knowledge of said series, while Chris knows a lot more than I do. And and yes, yes, I do. I do know quite a bit more than you do, Shane.
1: Thank you. Um... (laughs) But uh, this, isn't, this isn't the major reason why it's interesting. I mean, there's a lot of interesting things that we could talk about that pertains to Dragon Quest XI, which is the game that they announced. Uh, this game that was already announced for the PS4 and the 3DS, amazingly. And uh, not much info was really out about the PS4, other than we know it's going to be a 3D, beautiful, gorgeous game. The really interesting one is for the 3DS, where you're controlling them on a 3D world on the top screen, and on the bottom screen it's 2D sprite based and you're controlling both parts of it at the same time which is really cool but for someone like Shane who is probably not that interested in Dragon Quest 11
0: hey man just because i haven't played them doesn't mean i'm not interested it's an <laughs> RPG so it's like it's totally in my wheel well i
1: understand it's in your wheelhouse but it's also a JRPG so i can understand why you might not be the most excited about it
0: i mean that's it's it's I- fine I mean, I like JRPGs. Yeah? Yeah. I don't don't know where this presumption is coming from. The fact that you
1: haven't really played any Final Fantasy or Dragon Quests?
0: Doesn't mean I don't like them. Like, you know,
1: in theory. In theory, we we like a lot of things. But the thing that's interesting, which uh, which really caught my attention, is that when Squaresoft first uh, came out with their presser for this, when they were announcing both of them, they said it was going to come out for the PS4, the 3DS, and the NX. Um, and wh- why this is interesting is because on the PS4, they're going to be using Unreal Engine 4, which is causing wild speculation about what exactly is to be known about uh, the NX. And I know we've kind of talked about this before. I- I've kind of gone on record saying, I think people in the industry know a lot more about the system than the media or Nintendo or developers
0: are, are, are letting us know. I mean, I'm sure that's the case. I mean... Uh- <laughs> they they want to have, you know, uh, development studios and stuff, uh, you know, ahead of the curve on this anyway. And I I don't think that's really all that unusual. I think that's actually fairly standard practice. So, if they know much more about this than any of us are aware of or that they're letting on, I I wouldn't be surprised.
1: Well, that's that's not to be unexpected, but the the surprising part about it is Nintendo hasn't really come out with any information about it other than its code name. They haven't said anything about uh, what, what they plan on doing with it, what kind of system it's going to be, if they're working anything on it. Like, nothing from even Nintendo has been announced. And and, and Square Enix said, yeah, and this is going to be coming out in the NX, which they had to retract immediately uh, after people started asking questions about that. That's what I find really interesting about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, so with with the amount of, um, I suppose, like relative secrecy and stuff that's surrounding the, the NX and everything, it's certainly fueling speculation and 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 i for one want to believe at least that this is something big uh from nintendo and and there's there's a good reason for why they're doing what they're doing um and you know trying to keep things as under wraps as possible uh i i think you and i are both in agreement in what our hopes are for the nx uh in so much as that it finally sort of uses the two you know mainline markets I guess that Nintendo kind of has going for them which is to say that we want to have uh, their their mobile space and their traditional consoles sort of as one because if they do that, that that's I mean for me that's pretty much the ideal like if I if I can Play my game on my couch, and then just pop something out of it and take it on the go as like whatever the successor to the 3ds would be. That would be, in my mind, a perfect scenario. Uh, you did notice another thing
1: about this uh, Dragon Quest Eleven is that is coming out for the new 3ds, not not the 3ds.
0: Yes, I I did notice that because I don't own a new 3ds, and therefore I cannot play it. Yeah, I don't. Ah. Uh. This, this new
1: 3DS thing is going to bite him in the ass. But I agree with you on the uh, on the evolution of it, of what the NX can be, and, and like a, we, we both agreed on what we would like from it, what we see from it would be cool with it. But the thing with the NX, um, them getting a Dragon Quest game, at least in Japan, is absolutely gigantic. The only drawback to that really was Dragon Quest X, which a lot of Americans don't really even know much about because Dragon Quest X and the Dragon Quest series is, is pretty much the equivalent to Final Fantasy XI, except it was never released outside of Japan. Mm. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's an online game. I mean, you're going to have your user base, but we all know online games are never going to sell as well as a, a singular console experience, especially in a series... Such as Dragon Quest or Final Fantasy. They're going to make their money. They're going to sell okay, uh, but especially if you don't go outside your own shores, you're not going to be you're not going to be a massive success that pushes systems. And for reference, Dragon Quest Ten was on the Wii, Wii, and uh, Wii U. And it's going to be ported to uh, PlayStation Four here soon as well. So Ten was on
0: the Wii and the Wii U.
1: Yes, it started out on on, on the Wii before the Wii U was launched. Uh huh. And then it it came out on the Wii U uh, a, a short
0: while after the Wii U came out. So speaking of uh, JRPGs that you know, apparently I don't care about. <laughs> I I will I will argue that, but that's fine. Uh, so there's a the remake of FF Seven that everybody's all up in arms about. There's some more talk about that that I think might upset some people, particularly the purists. And I I'm gonna go ahead and say that I think. Chris is probably in this camp. I could be wrong, but that's what I'm guessing. Mm. Uh, according to the, the director, Tetsuya Nomura, there are going to be some dramatic changes, as he, as he notes, to the game's combat system. So if you're familiar with FF7, which I can now say I am. Or more familiar, in your case. I mean, by more, you mean, like, at all, really. <laughs> <laughs> You've almost finished disc one. Yeah, man. Like whatever, whatever the fuck the disc is. I don't know. I'm playing on Steam. There's no disc separations. I don't know what that is. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm too. I'm just old school like that. But continue. <sighs> <Just> goddamn hipster. <laughs> but anyway, uh, if you're familiar with it, you know the active time battle system. If you're a fan of that system, which In my experience so far, I like it as long as I have it set to wait. (laughs) I will say that. You might be a little disappointed by the news uh, because that seems to be like it's kind of going out the window. I mean, Nomura goes on to say that, you know, they're not going to change it into a shooter or something like that, which I don't really think anybody assumed. But they are going to be dramatically changing it while still attempting to keep it you know, recognizable. And I think one thing to note there is that, um, you know, they're, they're trying to sort of draw some inspiration from the visuals, uh, from Advent children, uh, from Advent children. Yeah. And I don't, Nomura goes on to say that he's not, they're not intending on actually utilizing the models from Advent children directly, uh, mostly because it's an entirely different technology. But I guess or they're going to be drawing a lot of inspiration from it. So Ad-
1: Advent Children's Old is dirt by this point, comparatively speaking, in terms of CG technology. So they wouldn't be lifting character models directly from that. That'd be stupid. And they even really go on to say that much themselves. Yeah. But um, when it comes to this battle system, I mean, I already, already kind of called this out. And I think a lot of people who've been paying attention to the remake, who played the original Final Fantasy VII and enjoyed it, kind of already saw this coming it was either going to remain the same and is going to feel like a really dated game or they're going to update it so what does this mean it, it, exactly uh for final fantasy 7 fans okay so you got tetsuya Nomura, who is going to be directing this so what does that mean in terms of whether you think the battle system is going uh we could see uh final fantasy 15's battle system or kingdom hearts fucking battle system you know enjoy that uh, you're going to be running around, and you're going to be in, in you know, hey, Cloud's your main character, so you're going to be able to play as Cloud. And all the other guys are going to be AI-controlled. So you know what? Have fucking fun with that. You know what? They had a game called that. It's called Final Fantasy XII. Or better yet, you want Final Fantasy XIII instead, so you can sit there and let the game play itself. Hey, there you go. I mean, this is what's going to happen
0: in the remakes. And there hasn't you really know, been... I mean, it's funny No, it's funny you bring that up, because I remember watching um, well, a roommate that I had playing through ff13 when it was still relatively new and at that point i actually hadn't played any final fantasy games at all except for tactics so my my knowledge of the series was pretty lackluster but i I sat there on the couch and watched him play it and i was like and by play i use that term very loosely i might add uh (laughs) It was Watched. basically, yeah. I was just like, "What are you doing, man? Like, are you playing this?" And he's like, "Yeah, you know, you just kind of set them to do what you want them to do, and they just do it." Like, that's uh, that is not really gameplay, is it? You're 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 kind of just watching this happen. It's
1: like every battle is like a uh, directed cutscene about how you're going to get to the end of it. You yeah. just you just manage how they're going to get there. It's just you know, as I said. When we when you talked about this before, what do they expect? You've been people have been begging for this remake since they did the the PS3 demo in like 2006, and they've been saying we want a remake, we want a remake. Uh, people mostly wanted a remake because all the characters looked like uh, blocked out polygonal vomit on the screen, and <laughs> they, sure do. they looked absolutely terrible. And they want them to look more like they did in Final Fantasy VIII or Final Fantasy IX. And they didn't want really anything to change beyond that. Hey, hey, look, we're like 10 years removed from when they wanted that update to be made. And now, here we are, and they're going to be changing the gameplay. I can understand, like, a lot of the things I've been seeing in terms of, like, comment section is mostly... They, they just don't want it to be what the Final Fantasy Modern Combat System has been. It has to maintain that familiarity. I don't have any problem with, like, the Final Fantasy twelve battle system... Because you get a lot in Xenoblade. And I love Xenoblade, and Final Fantasy XII had a lot of similarities uh, to Xenoblade, or the other way around. And it, it can be viewed as enjoyable, but it's not fucking Final Fantasy VII. That's not why people wanted a remake. Uh, I know we're going to be talking about the Resident Evil 2 extremely briefly later, but when you looked at the Resident Evil remake, when that came out for the GameCube, like like 14 years ago almost now, 14, 13 years ago, that yeah. game was the exact same fucking game that it was when it came out on the PS One, they just souped the graphics up, and I think maybe moved a couple items around and improved the voice acting. They completely rebuilt the game from the ground up, but everything felt familiar. They didn't really fuck with it too much. And now was I...
0: that was that the one? Did they still keep the tank the uh, the tank controls, or was that the later remake? Because I know on one of those they gave you the option of not using it. I think they still kept the tank
1: controls. Everything tells me. Uh, from what I remember, like the tank controls were still intact in everything. Like mm-hmm. they, they, it was, it was pretty much. They took the original game, they rebuilt the graphics, and they brought it and, and they put it on your GameCube and made it look beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that's all that people really fucking wanted from a Final Fantasy VII remake: an updated translation, better graphics probably a better uh, you know a better more streamlined material system not saying it was that awful to begin with uh more cognizant plot probably the inclusion of the, the 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 prelude and a better ending that actually makes fucking sense that's probably what they wanted from a remake and if we end up getting fucking kingdom hearts or final fantasy 13 or uh, a battle system like final fantasy type 0 or final fantasy 15 it's not going to be final fantasy 7 it's going to be something that's not what people wanted and i think it's gonna backfire and, and all that square can say is hey this is what you fucking wanted this is what we're going to
0: give you and i can't blame them for it well but that's i mean this is what you just said is that's that's really not what people actually want at all like they're i think they're they're overdoing mm-hmm. this like <clears throat> okay so i might not be the best person to to i don't know speak on this topic because i'm coming from what i feel like is a complete opposite direction from what the team that's working on this is is coming from in, in so much as i actually think that the time the active time battle system is already too much like i i actually prefer purely turn-based systems where you know like um uh what's um like golden sun for example got it yeah
1: and like the original so, final final fantasies 1 through 3 i know you haven't played them but yeah i got you
0: right something like that where it's just pure turn based like your your party goes and then you select your actions you do your thing and then your enemy party goes they do their thing and you go back and forth i i'm probably in what i would assume is a minority now Uh, In that I actually really like that kind of system. Uh, And the active time battle system is like a weird sort of bastardization of that. Where it's kind of still turn-based. But it's also like timed. And it's it's okay. But I would prefer just a pure turn-based system. So they obviously want to do something quote-unquote modern with this. And I'm not sure exactly what that will be it could be one of the things that you brought up or fucking i don't know man it could just be like a pure action based thing at this point where it's just it resembles more of an action rpg in the battle elements than it ever has before i mean we don't we don't that (laughs) i'm not saying that's what i want i'm just saying that's a possibility we don't really know what they're gonna do with this thing yet other than you know not make it a shooter so
1: there's that if if they make fucking Cloud like I can't remember the name character main character of Kingdom Hearts right now, if they make him like that and fucking like Tifa and Barrett are goddamn Donald and Goofy, I'm 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 done. Um <laughs> I mean, I, I I'm pretty sure I'm almost done on this. They gotta show me they're gonna do this anyway. I don't mind the character designs being from Advent Children. That's fine. As long as they don't make Cloud as fucking emo as he was in Advent Children, and and make him more like the smart-ass, more witty cloud from the beginning of Final Fantasy VII, where he was like this cocksure, slightly egomaniac guy who couldn't do anything wrong, and he was just tagging around these people because they needed him more than he needed them, or at least in his mind.
0: Yeah, well, and it doesn't say so in in this particular story because it's not really focusing on that so much, but I do recall that... us discussing this in the past, they also yeah. said that apart from the combat system, they are also rewriting parts of the story too. So that's entirely up for debate as well. Well, they did that. They do that with a
1: lot of remakes. I think they did that a little bit with uh, the the RE remake, and I know they did it with Lunar uh, when they remade that game, and that 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 was still popular amongst fans. I'm not I'm not too hung up on that because let's face it, this game has been out. Long has been out longer in between its release time and today than uh, how old I was when I played it originally. Yeah. So, I mean, there's been an entire generation of gamers who haven't even played the original, so the, the them changing the story at this point doesn't even really matter to them. I don't know. It's just something, hey, I, I said be careful what you wish for. This sh- I, I, I said this shit was going to fucking happen, and if you're butthurt about it, what the fuck do you think Square Enix was even going to do about it? You, you have nothing but yourself to blame. You know companies will, will jump at the bit to do this shit, especially when they're trying to promote their other games or have other battle systems. And Nobu Sakaguchi, who is part of the development team for that game, isn't even with the fucking company anymore. You know they're going to go a different direction. So, hey, here's your reward. Here's your present. You begged, pleaded, cried, and complained that they weren't fucking doing it. Now they're doing it. So take your medicine, shut the fuck up, and bring it on.
0: <laughs> this is see. This is how I know when we touch on topics that are like close close to uh, either Chris or I is is when we end up getting like super fucking intense about
1: it. You're goddamn right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, I don't know. Speaking of, I think, topics that are close to, well, probably close to Chris. I don't, I don't give a shit about this one. but Closer, but this is more about Kickstarter than the actual topic, but continue. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you, you want to talk about the latest developments in uh, the Red Ash saga? Oh, absolutely. I'll talk about this shit show. Woo! So, uh, before we talk about
1: Red Ash real quick, I just want to point out, and this is kind of leading into the story about Red Ash is it looks like Mighty Number no. 9 from Concept the same company who tried to shove Red Ash down your throats with a nice side dish of nostalgia as they pounded it down Mighty Number no. 9 the one that everyone loved and funded and backed and was can't wait for it looks like it might be delayed again into 2016 This is a game of course that was man I can't remember when this Kickstarter was what was it 2013 when they uh, when they wrapped this up Dude, I think something 2013. like that. It's been a while. It has been a while. And for a company to come out and and, and just have the the sheer balls to say, hey, by the way, we haven't released shit yet. Um, we're just going just to take more nostalgia for shit that you guys say that you wanted, and we're going to make another project for it. We're going to call it Red Ash, and it's going to be based off Mega Man
0: Legends. Well... <laughs> <laughs> Which is exactly what I fucking said last time we talked about this. Like, yeah. I mean, you know that uh, by and large, I, I really don't give a shit about like Mega Man. And I know that's probably going to lose me some like fucking street cred with, with the video game crowd or whatever, but I just have never cared. So this didn't matter to me anyway. However, I did see how bullshit it was that this developer was just like, Oh yeah, man, that fucking thing that we were like, uh, you know, totally playing off your nostalgia about that uh, we got all your money for on Kickstarter. Yeah, I don't know, we're not done with that, but here's this other thing. So you should give us some more money because we totally haven't actually done shit yet. But you know, you want it, and it's just like this was the most insulting thing to myself as a
1: gamer. Um, and for that reason, is it's it's like I'm going to exploit your nostalgia. That's all I saw from Red Ash. Is we are going to exploit everything about uh, what you what you've thought what we think you held dear to yourself as a as a as a childhood thing and I'm not sure if I said this before but Mega Man Legends was not a big game I mean it was a game that's remembered fondly from those who played it but it was not a terrifically successful game uh, which is why like Mega Man Legends two and its 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 side story uh, the misadventures of Tronbon are ridiculously expensive games. It's because no one fucking bought it. And, I mean, people kind of bought Mega Man Legends, but no one fucking bought the other two. So I can kind of understand why this is a misstep on their end anyway. And this thing, like, like I thought, when we talked about this before, this was going to get funded. Mm-hmm. Because I think there's always enough people out there with, uh, with nostalgia, rose-colored glasses, that are going to hop to and, and, and pay for it. But... I know. I know. We're kind of not. We're kind of beating around the bush before we get to the topic. This game was actually funded, like completely said, that's going to be funded for development by a Chinese company called Fuse, who who says they're going to develop it regardless of how its Kickstarter does. I'm looking at its Kickstarter page right now, and like it did not I, I don't know how much it raised before this announcement was made, but it's only sitting at four hundred ninety-six thousand dollars as we speak right now, and they had a goal of eight hundred thousand dollars. Compare that to Mighty No. 9, which raised over like $3 million on Kickstarter. So this thing was fucking dead in the water. No one gave a shit about this. People had already backed Bloodstain, people had already backed Shenmue, people had backed ukulele, they were burnt out on Kickstarter, they didn't give a shit about this, especially because there was nothing to prove that they had any sort of quality, especially with the tepid feeling for Mighty No. 9. Mm. This thing was nowhere close to getting backed if no one stepped in and took care of it. And I think, yeah, I mean, am I ragging on this for 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 raping my nostalgia in a way? Yeah, but I think the bigger problem is right now is you have to look at Kickstarter and because of this backing from this Chinese developer that's going to come out and just say, hey, don't worry about it, we're going to take care of your game, even in a more blatant example than what happened with Sony and Shenmue, you got to be skeptical about what you see on Kickstarter right now from a lot of your, quote, indie developers, unquote, that are coming back to try to make these games that you remember from the good old days cuz you might not be independently backing somebody you might just be providing extra funds to make sure they have a little bit more to help drive along development which is fine in and of itself but there's no forwardness to it and that's that's the really scary and insulting thing that's going on right now
0: yeah i mean for what it's worth you know i will say that i I guess it's it's kind of cool that the you know the Kickstarter funds for this thing are just going to go directly to stretch goals. So ostensibly, that would mean that people that have backed this thing are going to get more bang for their buck out of it. I guess if you want to look at it, you know, from a, a positive viewpoint. But yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, this situation is just one of many that you know we've seen and I, I think we've discussed at one point or another that. You just you got to be careful, man. Kickstarter is not a guarantee. It never has been. And a lot of people were under the delusion that it was. And I think most of those people have learned their mistake at this point. But there are there, are, you know, to paraphrase a, a greater man than I, there is a sucker born every minute. And um, if for nothing else, we we are we are here to hopefully steer you in the right direction and uh you just got to be cautious man like there's there's a lot of things on kickstarter that want to play off of your nostalgia to get your money and some of them are legit like i i'm fairly certain that things like bloodstain and stuff are on the up and up but uh um, well so was mighty number no. nine right i mean i don't know man i didn't follow that one so but it's, I, it's ca- the, I can't say one way or the other the the the, the, the spiritual idea behind it's the same
1: it was KJ Inofune coming out saying, I am free from Capcom and I want to make my own game. And everyone's like, Awesome, cool. Thank you, God, for 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 saving us from the corporate Capcom assholes that mm-hmm. are ruining our game experience and won't give us another Mega Man game. Thank you, KJ Inofune, for doing this. And of course, that game hasn't come out yet. I nope. mean that that's that that was something like, okay, Shovel Knight was banking on your nostalgia, right? I don't sure. think we can we can argue that, but it didn't have anyone on that team that was like, "Oh, this is coming from this guy," so we know it's going to be good quality. I mean, the music team is is pretty renowned. I know that for uh, Shovel Knight and uh, Yacht Cog Games, they got mm-hmm. some really good people on the music. But for themselves as developers, they didn't really have a retro track record or or people that we grew up with our childhood to to go back and look at and be right. like, "Oh yeah, we know this is going to be good shit." KJ and Afune was like, I'm pretty much giving you a Mega Man game, but it's not going to be called Mega Man. And, and here we are almost three years later, and we're like, hey, a hey, uh, what the fuck? And I think, yeah, I mean, you say Bloodstain is going to be legit. And I'm like, we don't even know if Mighty Number no. Nine is legit yet.
0: And it's the yeah, same. Yeah, that's thing. Is true. Yeah. So I, I guess, you know what? Whatever, man. What we're saying is just don't use Kickstarter ever <laughs> for, for anything. <laughs> Because, I, I don't know, like I, in my own personal experience, I've I've backed a few things, and some of them have come to fruition, and they were not necessarily everything that we had hoped that they would be. And then there are some things that have yet not come to pass, um, so my money has gone to something that I might not ever see. Moral so, of the story, until you come out with the game, fuck you, KJ Nofune. Th-
1: there you go. I mean, I suppose that's really more the succinct way of putting. It. <laughs> At least for now, I, I KJ Nafuni. I love Mega Man. Don't don't hurt me. Please yes, come that's right.
0: Like, please. Fuck you, unless proven otherwise.
1: Yeah, please come out, Mighty Number no. Nine, and and if it's good, I'll love you forever. But until then, fuck you.
0: <laughs> yeah, man, and also fuck bans on gaming consoles. Fuck Am that. I right? You're absolutely fucking right. Uh, So after 14 years, which is crazy because I I actually wasn't fully aware of this, but after 14 years of uh, upholding a ban on gaming consoles in mainland China, they have finally uh, decided to lift that, which, you know, of course opens up a, a brand new market for manufacturers like Sony, Nintendo and Microsoft um that is of course not to say that you know the the chinese people have not had access to consoles because let's be real there are other ways to get a hold of those things if you really want one the other sort of <laughs> interesting thing that i saw about this is the the particular article that we were looking at on uh, on cnn about this has a, has a photo of uh downtown hong kong with people walking by like a giant gta 5 ad which i'm assuming is something that like legally speaking they couldn't necessarily get their hands on but the ad's there anyway so it seems like this was more of like a a ban in theory more than in practice but hong kong you have
1: to remember hong kong's always the the exception it's not the rule
0: Nah. Yeah, yeah. That's because of true.
1: how long it was ruled by by Britain, and and the the rules are always different.
0: So Hong Kong, yeah, they're the, the exception not the rule when it comes to China. Um, yeah. So I mean, apart from consoles, of course, you know, there was still the the pretty steady proliferation of you know PC and and mobile gaming in China uh, up until this point, and of course that's certainly not stopping. Um, on the plus side, for some of those manufacturers. Uh, after this announcement took place, um, they certainly saw a jump in some of their some of their stocks, so I'm sure they're happy about that. Nintendo actually being probably the happiest about it with about a ten percent jump in Tokyo. What what are your thoughts on, on this one, Chris? Well from what I understand,
1: Nintendo is actually the most hesitant to jump into this market, which is ironic considering the most, the biggest reason China banned consoles is because they're communists and they don't want anyone fucking saying anything evil about anything that they might get offended by. So, like, Nintendo saying they don't want to get into this market is just fucking weird, because who's insulted by Mario's politics? You know, what is he saying bad about uh, the communist leader of China? Probably nothing. Which is, you know, Nintendo would be ideal for China to come into this. But I think, yeah, it's a great opportunity... For, I, I, I think, all, all three companies uh, to get in there, I think Microsoft actually is the one that people are overlooking, people are looking into Sony and Nintendo uh, to take over here and, and kind of get into the market and, and bury themselves in there. But we forget that Japan and China, for the most part, culturally, hate each other. So uh, them, China, accepting Japanese products with open arms, I, I don't have my pulse on... You know Chinese culture and how they feel towards electronics. I mean, obviously, I'm sure they have Japanese products all over the place, but how willing uh, these Japanese companies are to expand into China and make money is, is questionable. Now, of course, Sony wants all the money they can make anyway. Uh, so, I don't think they're really going to hold any extreme prejudice when it comes to expanding into China and, and taking their uh, N, or whatever they call for money. But, you know, Microsoft is still... I guess it's American. I don't know how China's. I mean, not I guess. I know it's American. I don't know how Ch- the Chinese feel about American products or um, the American culture over there. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure they have some iteration of Windows over there. I'm not sure about Apple, even though, you know, the Chinese pretty much make all of Apple's products anyway. But I'm not too sure how it's going to pan out. I'm glad that it's 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 changed because I think it can open up more markets. I think we can start seeing more, like the rise of ja- if, if the Japanese consoles take hold over there, because their cultures are somewhat similar, we could see the rise in Japanese development and Japanese video games again instead of being taken over by w- the Western market because, let's face it, the Western market just holds a higher population so it's going to have higher sales and it's going to drive more money. So if they could get more Chinese sales in there, in terms of software, and those are more successful, I think we're going to be able to see a more diverse group of games to include the Japanese market and the Western market. And we could be, I don't know, I might be getting a little ahead of myself, but a uh, a mini revolution within the modern gaming market.
0: Yeah, one sort of like amusing thing to note about all this, which kind of relates back to what you're saying about Apple, is that Traditionally, you know, as I'm sure we're kind of all aware that most video game consoles, along with almost every other, you know, modern electronic device that we use on a daily basis, uh, were manufactured by contractors that were already based in China. So it was sort of it's sort of a weird concept if you really think about it, that these consoles were built in China And then sent off to be sold elsewhere, but they were not allowed to legally be sold in the place where they were manufactured to begin with. Kind of, kind of a weird, uh, restriction there, I guess. But part, part of the new rules that China have set in place for this requires that units that are sold domestically to be built in the Shanghai free trade zone, which means that it could, uh, cause, you know, manufacturers to shift their supply chains and you know, open up new facilities in other places. So, from a business perspective, I think it'll be interesting. Um, from a gaming, you know, perspective, it's in my opinion, it's it's always good to get more people into the fold, and and having more support is is always a plus. So, I think it'll it'll definitely be interesting, if not for nothing else. Well, one of the things I'm looking at
1: too is they're saying that PC online and mobile gaming is kind of big in China. Yeah. And depending on how much of a grip that has on its gaming populace,
0: the console market getting there might not mean anything at all. You're 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 right. It might not, Um, or it might. You know, it might take a little while, Um, just because that particular market segment is is so used to getting their gaming fix in PCs specifically. I mean, I know China is definitely big in. you know like uh internet cafes that's that's where a lot of them do their online gaming i know that um mm-hmm. like blizzard for example with world of warcraft they they have a pretty sizable chinese audience and a lot of them do do the majority of their gaming uh in in cafes like that so it it might take a little while to get them to shift uh you're right but um, I, you know, either way, I, I can't see it as, the, as anything but a good thing. Oh, oh, oh completely, completely agreed. Um,
1: I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to the future in that. Another company that's looking towards the future of what they're going to be doing with their consoles, however, speaking of consoles and PC gaming, is Microsoft. Ah, uh, we know that already that Sony is going with the PlayStation Now service to kind of future proof the PlayStation brand. And we might know what Microsoft might be doing to somewhat future proof the Microsoft Xbox brand. Microsoft is looking into streaming PC games to the Xbox one uh, from Understand, much like what you got right now with like the Nvidia Shield. Where you could stream your games directly to your console and would play on your TV. Don't know how well this would be suited for a modern setup, but I could see this really being something Microsoft will be looking forward to in the future, uh, especially as many games are going to piece, as as many games that are going to PC and not Xbox, but now you can kind of dual shift that.
0: One thing that I will note out of this whole story that I find the most interesting, actually, which Uh might be somewhat insignificant to some other people, but I think is actually a pretty big, big thing is the moment that you start streaming PC to Xbox, and actually Phil Spencer pointed this out specifically, is that you are going to need to have keyboard and mouse support with the Xbox in order to play some of those games, which on a grander scale provides... Some interesting points, uh, points of conversation there, because traditionally speaking, PC and console games have been, by and large, pretty separated. And so, in more competitive games, particularly like shooters, uh, if you want to take like Call of Duty multiplayer or something like Counter Strike or anything like that, for example. It's never really been an issue in terms of the differences in controls between the two because they have been very segregated. But if you are now going to be including a keyboard and mouse, uh, as far as compatibility goes, with an Xbox One, this now brings what could be considered by some an unfair advantage, uh, particularly to shooters. And that is because... Uh, if you are familiar with FPSs and PC gaming in general, you know that unequivocally, a keyboard and mouse is a much more precise way of playing an FPS than your twin-stick controller ever really could be. But they, but they would need to address lag, and, and that's, that's
1: something I don't really address here. Um, and that's why I'm not sure about the setup right now, about how fast to get from your PC to your Xbox and um not be lagged out yeah and be more precise sure but the person that's running off a straight xbox compared to you well actually no i mean wouldn't wouldn't provide any advantage why not because it okay this is a person on a pc streaming to an xbox sure you're on an xbox with a mouse computer with a mouse and keyboard playing against a person on a pc with a mouse and keyboard the person that you're competing against, you're not competing against other Xbox One people unless they
0: integrate Xbox One into PC competitiveness. Well, that's, and you're right. and, and But that's also something that I think is, I don't believe has really been clarified yet. So, right. if they're going to go, you know, whole hog on this thing and allow for streaming from PC to your Xbox, and in addition to that, sort of unifying both of those platforms for those particular games that would obviously then be a concern Um, you know what i was talking about as far as the controls go if they leave it segregated and you're just allowed to stream something to your xbox and uh, play it on your tv then sure that's not going to make a difference In, in which case then yes the the real big concern there would actually be the lag particularly for you know uh competitive games like that but in either case, it, it's still, it's still a very interesting concept that you know the one way or the other, there's some things that they're gonna have to have to tackle. I don't really see the point in having having a PC streamed to your Xbox one. I,
1: I, I don't understand it. Um, I can understand for more for someone like you who likes to sometimes just go on the couch and doesn't have the PC hooked up to their to their big screen or, or somewhere really comfortable right. Uh, that I can understand it for. But if you're really dedicated to PC gaming, uh, as someone who would be interested enough to stream there, like have a PC powerful enough to stream to your Xbox One to play on your TV, you probably are just wanting to hook up your PC to a nice big TV and play on a couch through a uh, big picture on Steam. And that's 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 why I just don't, I really don't get it. Why in the future they wouldn't find a way to just stream stuff from like a PC to a TV instead of going through an Xbox to a TV. I I don't get that. I mean, I understand they're trying to make it more competitive because they they realize now there's stuff that's coming out on uh, the PS4 and PC that's not coming to Xbox One. For example, Shenmue 3 and uh, Street Fighter 4, which are two games that will not be coming to Xbox One. However, they will be coming to PC. And I think if Xbox and Microsoft do this... It'd be kind of cannibalizing their own market because uh, you look at Steam and you look at the Steam sales and why why would you buy it on Xbox One if you're a PC gamer, you can get it like on a Steam sale for
0: five bucks and instead of going out and getting the game in a store for 30. Well, here's one interesting way to look at it. Um, you are saying about the possibility of them cannibalizing their own sales. It, it might be if you want to look at this in more of a long term fashion that It's possible that this might be Microsoft just posturing themselves in such a way that they are preparing themselves for the sort of demise of what we, what we view. Physical media. Right. Of what we, but not only that, but what we view as a traditional console. I actually think that this might be some of their Microsoft's first steps towards just integrating PC and Xbox to sort of ease a transition into what eventually will just be whatever you want to call it, but essentially just a PC. I mean, as it stands right now, consoles are just one step removed from a PC anyway. So it's possible that you could see it as that, that they're just starting to take measured steps towards What some may view as an inevitability where everything is just going to sort of converge into, you know, one thing. There might not actually be a distinction between a PC and a console come the next cycle. Much like PS Now. Right, right. I mean, a lot of people have already said that the Xbox One and the PS4 are are, or very well could be, you know, the last consoles that we that we ever see and i I don't necessarily think that's the case
1: but i i completely understand it because i do think the consoles right now are underpowered i mean they can't even output 4k they're not nearly as powerful as as pcs uh very unsimilar to the past when consoles were released they were similar if not more powerful than their pc counterparts so it may not be the last but yes we are definitely approaching it uh, speaking of something that's not in its last iteration, and who knows how long this thing will go on, because uh, has been going on for years and years and years and years, Doctor Who will be coming out with Season 9. I, myself, I'm a Doctor Who fan. How about yourself, Shane? <laughs>
0: Uh, I am as well. I would not go so far as to call myself a Hoovian, as uh some folks like to do, uh mostly because I'm actually <laughs> I'm actually not entirely caught up with the show. I'm still somewhere in the midst of uh of Matt Smith's run as the Doctor, mm-hmm. so I'm not entirely uh entirely current yet. Mm-hmm. Some some really interesting things
1: coming out of this is that we know that Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones will be appearing this season in in uh Doctor Who. Uh, some people thought that she might end up being the companion, but they pretty much clarified and said, we have a companion. That's uh, Clara, played by Jenna Coleman, mm-hmm. who um, I think is doing a very good job in that role right now. But they're kind of wondering what this role is going to be coming in and doing. I just think it's going to be a bit role. That's fine. Uh, Doctor Who, um, I think, is it's one of my favorite shows. Uh, again, much like you, I'm not a Whovian. And for those who don't know, this this the last season is going to be coming to Netflix this month, uh, so you can watch it in entirety. I wasn't able to watch a lot of last season due to my work schedule, uh, so I'll be looking forward to picking that up. And I'm really looking forward to this next season. As you know, there's a lot of twists and turns. Companions really uh, they change quite often in this series, um, and just everything gets shaken up. And I'm 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 really really happy about the fact that. Uh, the series continues on and i like the way how things are developing
0: uh yeah i mean well apart from the fact that i you know i guess I'm, I'm just glad that maisie williams is being incorporated in more things because just from her stint in in game of thrones i think she's a, a great actress so i think she's probably got a, a pretty good future ahead of her and uh game of thrones is uh one of the, probably one of the greatest launching points you could have as far as a career goes And as far as the information that we have so far from, you know, uh, showrunner Stephen Moffat on this whole thing, he does say that she is a brand new character. So there was some speculation up till this point that she was going to be someone from the Doctor's past. And he has more or less said that that is not the case, although it is going to be a significant role. So it might not just be a bit part necessarily, but the rumor itself that had kind of been floating around for some time was that she was going to play the Doctor's granddaughter, Susan Foreman, who for a while was actually a companion on the original run of the show um, from 1963 to 64, which was played by uh, actress uh, Carol Ann Ford. Um, I know that a lot of Current Doctor Who fans, myself included, actually, have not watched the original run of the show. Uh, while it's not necessarily bad, <laughs> it's a little more difficult to sit through. Oh, it's rough. I will be yeah, I will be honest that it, it is rough to sit through. My my dad
1: loved it. He actually because I guess it used to be on PBS here in the States. Mm-hmm. And he used to record all the episodes on VHS. He he loved it. That being said, I don't. <laughs> it's um, it's it's really hard to watch. It's it's like I can go back and I can watch the Twilight Zone, and and find it extremely enjoyable and, and thought provoking and everything. Twilight Zone's fantastic. However, I go back and watch Doctor Who. And I'm like, what is this is this is campy. This is cheesy. This is worse than this is worse than Sharknado,
0: <laughs> and, and and every facet of imagination. So uh, I, the funny thing about that is too is I don't know about you, but I have had a number of people that I've talked to about Doctor. Like I actually have to kind of defend the show to some people because they will have watched like the first few episodes of the new run, like not even the old stuff, but the new run. And, uh, in my experience, that's even a hard sell for some people. And, and I don't disagree because, like, when I first started watching Doctor Who and I watched the first episode with the mannequins and everything, I gotta be honest, I wasn't hooked right away. I was just like, this is- No, it takes you a while. It, it, it takes you a while to get hooked it, on the new it, ones. It does. It really does. And, and, you know, so, if that's the case, even with a new run, I I don't expect to ever get anybody really involved in the in the old show because that's just that is a whole other level. It is, uh, and, and when I'm, when those people too they ask about
1: Doctor Who, I always point to I think the episode is called Blink. Yes, uh, the very first episode with the Weeping Angels. Yep, and ironically, that episode contains very little of the Doctor. But it is a very good episode to kind of draw people in and say, this is what Doctor Who can be when it's firing on all cylinders.
0: And be- before we move on to a next topic, I will just go ahead and put put it out there that I myself am a David Tennant fan. So far, I believe that he is the best Doctor, and I'm going to stick by that.
1: Uh, I agree with you, but I think given more time, I think Christopher Eccleston could have been better. Really? You think so? I think so. Hmm. Interesting, but he just he had one season and he left, so there's there's no way of telling. All right, speaking of Maisie Williams appearing in Doctor Who, uh, Game of Thrones is looking like it's going to have its endpoint. We all know it's it's gotten to the point where it's matched up with the books, and it's going to be going beyond the books in terms of its plot. So those of you who are what, reading the books now, you don't get to spoil it for us who just watch the TV shows now. Ha ha ha. Um, but. They have got. I mean, to a you point. say
0: that, man. You were that fucking asshole. <laughs> you you know I haven't read the books, right? Uh, no, I didn't know that. But still, you were like all up in Facebook, like, being just like, "Hey, this shit happens." Well, that's because I'm just so um, uh, clairvoyant
1: that I just I just, I just <sighs> predicted God. that. I mean, I had an idea that they're going to do something to him, that he was going to get stabbed and and left for dead. I just don't know the, the 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 finality of that, but finality for Game of Thrones is going to maybe be at eight seasons. Now, they just got done with what? Was this season five or season six?
0: Uh, I think it was five, because I think they're shooting six now. Yeah, they're shooting season
1: six now, so they got three more seasons left. So we still got three more years of that. I, for one, am a fan of this. I don't want it really running past season eight myself, just knowing what I know about uh, TV shows, and if they get long in the tooth, and what can happen, and and how a plot can spiral out of control unintentionally, I think the trajectory they're on right now is almost in danger unless they corral it up, of potentially spiraling out of control with all the diversions and side characters that they do have right now. It's just a lot to keep track of. The fact that they have a an ending point means that there's a definitive plot going on, and you can really see this in anime. I, I've always been a bigger fan of animes that end after two or three seasons, as opposed to animes that last four or five hundred and something episodes.
0: Yeah, I mean, at least for me personally, I, I've always kind of preferred shows with, uh, a, I want to say, a relatively short lifespan. And the reason for that is I, I like to have that experience. Uh, I like to watch it, have have the whole story arc from beginning to end, and then just be done with it. Some things um, like, let's say, Supernatural, for example. I had started watching that show from the very beginning, and I think I made it probably three seasons into it, and I kind of lost track. And now they're on—fuck if I know. I don't even know what season they're on now. But the show is still running. And for me, that's not—all that says to me is I will never actually go back and catch up on that show. Like when there's that much of a backlog, it's just way too daunting for me. I'm not even gonna touch it. It makes for bad storytelling.
1: It, it really does. Uh, um, I mean, I know I just wrapped up Dragon Ball, uh, and that show ran for what 150 some episodes. The, the original Dragon yeah. Ball, and a lot of its problems stemmed on to its uh, add on Dragon Ball Z, where the main character gets powerful, runs into someone more powerful, gets his ass kicked and then becomes more powerful to beat the character that kicks his ass. And that's essentially all that Dragon Ball is over and over and over and over again. And it becomes monotonous, becomes repetitive, and you know what's going to happen. There's no there's no shock. There's no real plot device that that, that really develops and, and, and changes anything. So, like, you have to have an ending point at some point. Eight seasons, I think, is still a little long, but, you know, it could be based off... Uh, george R. R. martin's vision of what exactly he has planned for the series and how long they have to get it done with yeah but i'm
0: happy yeah i mean given given the source material like I, i'm i'm not surprised that that's the run that it's gonna go for um it, it is they're sort of in a weird kind of place with that anyway right because they're the show is now overtaking where the book series even is at so like George R R Martin has been kind of under the gun to to finish the next iteration of the series and so they're kind of kind of breaking new ground with the show so i don't even know how that balances out like if he's in the middle of writing a book like does does he now take inspiration from where the show is going or i don't know exactly how that works but i mean well he could be the ultimate troll too and just
1: <laughs> like the show could go in direction and you're like well why should i read the books and then the books are just completely
0: like fuck you show and just do something completely different that that is possible and i mean given that he's he's the man that really enjoys killing off all of your favorite characters i would not put it past him to to pull that kind of a thing and there had been talk some talk about a prequel series to this whole thing and so far uh, the only really official statement on it is that you know h b o is certainly open to it, and you know why wouldn't they be right. a- at the time at least for now, their focus really is on just finishing the last few you know seasons of the show as it is currently, so no real talk about a prequel. I personally don't think that's necessary i don 't really want no. i don 't want to see it i I think that that 's too much, and as you were saying, you know the longer something goes on, the more drawn out it gets and the less inspiration that you'll find there so i think a definitive endpoint is definitely a good thing well that a lot of these actors
1: you got to think are are starting to grow out of their are out of their roles they they want to do other things they don't want to be typecast they they want to further their
0: careers sure sure and 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 to kind of bring this whole discussion on game of thrones full circle before we before we move on Uh, the, the thing about Jon Snow, so they, they were actually asked about that. And, um, the, the answer that HBO president, uh, Michael Lombardo gave was, uh, dead is dead is dead. He's dead. He be dead. Yes. Hmm. (laughs) Everything I've seen. And then I've heard he's dead. Jon Snow is indeed dead. And that's a direct quote with the he be dead. Yeah, no, that (laughs) that is not a paraphrase. That is an exact quote. He be dead. (laughs) So I think we could probably take that as just like as a fact that Jon Snow is dead. I don't know. Maybe maybe he'll become a white walker, man. You don't know. Shit could happen.
1: Like, you know, like uh, the article that we're reading from IGN, it did say it didn't say whether Jon Snow would stay dead because they have alluded to resurrection
0: in the past. It's not something that can't happen. That 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 is true. I, I would actually just I would like to see him come back as a White Walker because, you know, why not? A White Walker that kills White Walkers. Ooh, he'd be like the blade of White Walkers. Yeah, <laughs> he
1: wouldn't he wouldn't like he wouldn't be fully dead. And right before he 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 jumped off this mortal coil, he got resurrected at the final minute. So he still has his humanity. And so he goes and he slays White Walkers in the name of humans. All right. So we are done with our main news topics for today. Uh, We are going to be moving on to a new section that we are going to be calling The Flight. All right, what is the flight? Well, if you don't know what a flight is, go to your local craft brewery and ask for a flight. What it is, it's uh, between four and five beers that are in smaller quantities that you get to sample prior to drinking your brew of choice. So these stories are going to be short and to the point, and all we're going to do is kind of talk about the news story in general, we're going to give a brief opinion, and we're going to move on to the next one. So unlike where we're going back and forth with our previous news stories, we're just going to offer a very short, brief opinion of what we're talking about.
0: So, yep, this is going to be the the rapid fire portion of the of the show. Rapid fire, so it's not going to be much of
1: a uh, real thought process or a debate, uh, and we're just going to talk about it really quickly and move on. So, the first one. All right, Sega is experiencing financial woes. They lost some on the quarter. Sales aren't doing too well. Uh doesn't look like they have any really big sellers outside of mobile and digital, but really no big-name
0: sellings. Shane, what do you think about this? Yeah, they got a decrease of, like, 42% in their net sales, and I say, wow, I'm so fucking surprised. And by that I mean I am totally not, because fuck Sonic and fuck Sega. Yeah, we already said
1: Sega's really got to get their act together. They're really shitting all over the place. They're worse than a... Uh, person living in a living zone on depends when it comes to how they're dealing with their finances. Uh, Capcom is exploring remaking Resident Evil 2 much in the same vein of the remake that we talked about earlier on the GameCube. I look at this, and I think as long as they don't fuck it up and try to make it like Resident Evil 5 or 6, make it an extra-oriented game, stay true to the roots, even if they have to include tank controls from a a, uh, top-down perspective, I think they're going to be okay.
0: I agree. As long as they just uh, stick to the tried-and-true formula of updating graphics... And uh, maybe streamlining a few, like, low-impact things and including the option to still play with the traditional tank controls or a more modern setup. I think everybody's going to be happy. No one's really going to complain. I will probably play it. Zombie is the name of the new
1: game that is pretty much going to be a port of the Wii U launch title, Zombie U. It's going to be announced, it has been announced for the PS4 and the Xbox One and it's going to be coming out this year. Of course, it's not going to have gamepad support. I'm looking at this game. It's not going to be as good as the Wii U port. It's only be a digital-only release. I don't know why they're doing it, but it's taking away from a Wii U exclusive, and probably this release is only going to help the Wii U version shine and make it look like a better game than a lot of people appreciated for, which was an underrated title, I believe, to begin with.
0: Yeah, I'm not really seeing the reason for this, since like the, the major conceit for this whole thing was the control scheme from the Wii U in the first place. I mean, as far as I know, this was one of the games that was supposed to showcase that whole thing in the first place, right? Yeah, exactly. It's supposed to be a Wii U title that showed off what
1: the game had to do.
0: Yeah, so I don't I don't get why this is happening. Um, I still haven't actually played this on my Wii U, but I sure as hell won't be playing it on another console. Sony renounces that the PlayStation 4 is successful. No, I
1: mean, we already knew that, but how successful? Well, they've sold two, tw- I mean, not two, but 25.3 million units. Why is that important? Because it's outpacing the PlayStation 2. This is huge. It's turning around place, It's turning around Sony in many ways, and it's a really big win for the PlayStation brand. I can only see this as furthering development for further games down the PlayStation line. You're going to see better games, better exclusives, and of general reason to own a PlayStation 4, because this success is just
0: insane absolutely yeah especially considering when you're comparing to the ps2 that console as far as i'm still aware was the highest selling console of all time mostly because of its uh penetration into some markets uh that other consoles never ever got a chance to get into so surpassing those numbers is a big deal and um so this really only says good things for sony uh, in going in contrast to what I said last week about some of the advances that Xbox has been making with their one and sort of correcting some of the bullshit that they started out with. Uh, this sort of provides a counterpoint to that. So if if for nothing else, this uh, continues to uh, make the PS4 versus Xbox One argument at least an interesting debate. And I myself, as being someone who has yet to buy into a current gen console, this has been continuing to sort of flop me back and forth about which one I'm going to buy. Games Done Quick got
1: done this weekend. It raised $1.2 million for Doctors Without Borders. I personally... I personally did not watch the entire thing. However, I did see uh, uh, bits and pieces of it from the Super Mario Bros. 64 runs, um, some various Majora's Mask runs, amongst others. It's a very fun thing to watch. Great. They raised that amount of money for charity and awareness for Doctors Without Borders. Uh, Good all around. Great for gaming and a great
0: display. Yeah, I'm actually disappointed. I didn't get a chance to watch it at all this year, and I usually do. But um, if you've never seen it, Uh, definitely tune in the next time around awesome games done quick you can see it on twitch.tv not only do you get to see some people uh, speed running some of the games that you know and love from your childhood and more recently but it's also for a good cause so if you got some extra cash lying around definitely consider uh, making a donation and if you are watching consistently you might even have your donation uh read on the air so You've got that going for you too. Nintendo
1: announces what they think they're gonna be doing essentially for you know, their Nintendo fan club. They're gonna be coming out with a Nintendo loot crate type service where they're gonna be sending various knickknacks or whatever that can't be related to Nintendo. Um, Considering that Loot Crate is actually financial stable enough for them to continue what they do, I can only see Nintendo being more successful or at least more intriguing going down the line. I, I, I'm not going to subscribe to it myself. I don't do these kind of things. What about you as a Loot Crate subscriber, Shane?
0: Yeah, so this is actually going to sort of... <sighs> be a contentious topic for me because i don't know which one i'm going to want because i'll be honest i'm not going to subscribe to two of these things at once and i'm already subscribed to loot crate i do like the fact that i get you know a, sort of a new thing every month but being that nintendo is kind of a giant part of my childhood i will say that this Box, as they're calling it at least right now containing toys, clothes, and other merchandise exclusive to Nintendo, this is probably the only one that's going to present a compelling argument for me to maybe cancel my Loot Crate and go over to a new one. I don't know whether I'm going to do that yet. It still remains to be seen what they're including in this thing. But uh, it's the first one to grab my interest because there have been a lot of imitators ever since Loot Crate came out. And that concludes the flight Hope you like
1: our short, bite-sized version of littler news stories for the week. We'll try to add more news stories to this to kind of have the flight have a uh, more sizable chunk and try to have fewer news stories on the beginning to try to condense our podcast down to a more reasonable level. (laughs) And we would love to thank you for being here for episode 10 of Retro Hangover Podcast. I cannot believe, personally, it's been 10 episodes. I mean, we had a pilot, so technically this is 11. But this is officially episode 10, and uh, I will not speak for Shane, but I I can pretty much guarantee you that he probably feels the same way. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for all of you who have been listening to the show and been talking to us and giving giving us feedback. I really do appreciate it. Uh, We're looking to try and... you know uh, We've said this from the beginning. We're looking to try and do a mailbag segment. I know I got one from uh, this week kind of uh, pertaining to a mailbag. It's just... We only had one, so I'd really, really have a, a, a bigger, deeper area for that, but... I would love to hear from you, our listeners, about what you think about the show. And again, thank you for the people who have followed and who have commented and talked to us to propelling us to make the 10 episodes we have. I know it's only 10, but it's it's significant and it's a small step to something we hope is going to be bigger in the future.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely, man. And like, you know, 10, as you said, might not sound like a lot. But, uh, you know, when we're uh, starting out like this with such a, you know, still in a fledgling stage as we are, you know, 10 episodes is definitely a big deal. And we, you know, try to make a point, even with schedules and real life as they are, to make sure that we're getting a new episode out every week. I mean, we actually this one almost didn't happen <laughs> mostly. Because no, it's just logistics of- and everything. Yeah yeah i mean uh, mostly because of you know where i was at and i wasn't sure if i was going to get back in time but you know we do what we can to make sure that it happens because a we we like doing it and that's really the big reason why it happens but b you know the the people that are already supporting us and listening to this thing on a regular basis we don't want to let you guys down and um we would like to continue this thing uh, for another another 10, another 20, another 100 episodes, if that's where it goes. So every little bit counts, and we appreciate every single one of you. And um, we, we just uh, hope that you guys will continue supporting us, and we're going to continue doing what we like to do. And I am Chris Goplane, uh for Retro Hangover Episode 10 on August
1: 2nd, 2015. And I would once again love to thank you for joining us.
0: Happy gaming out there! And uh, I am, as always, Shane Kosky. and I would uh, wish you guys a a great week and uh, hope that you get some some solid gaming in in that time. And um, we will we will catch you next time around.